You're listening to Wow Ergonomics with Graham Cove and Stephen Howe. Ooh, an error occurred. Wait a moment, try again. Hold on. It's not showing it's showing as live on my end. Right. We are live. Hey. Hey. There we go. <laughs> That's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> it's 12 o'clock still so we're fine and you're listening to graham stephen and today courtney as well on wow ergonomics hello everybody how are you hello hi yeah good thanks happy to be here good good um you're a rose amongst forms <laughs> you're talking to me or courtney yeah, graham? Steve, steve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely now courtney um we will be talking to you in a little bit about voice power which mm-hmm. is uh, which is the company you work for and all things voice uh and as you know i did a poll on this today and got some really interesting comments back um some people quite uh, uh negative about using their voice so perhaps we can sort of uh, allay their fears uh, and, and make people realize that you know it's it's not all as bad as it used to be um and i i think it was interesting to hear all of the comments about sort of alexa and siri and things like that and i know you've done some really funny posts about those particular <laughs> uh voice controlled uh, devices uh on linkedin as well but I, I i do wonder whether that's really the the sort of the problem when it comes to voice control is that that's what people expect, you know, shouting at Alexa. I mean, I get, I, I, do you know what? I've got really annoyed with Alexa since I moved it in the kitchen. Um, oh, yeah. I, it just does not like being anywhere near sort of other gadgets and, and like the cooker going on and whatever. And you're, you're there going, Alexa, play. Da, 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 da. And it's like, oh, it's going to talk to me now. Um, <laughs> there she yeah. is. There she Can't is. On cue. Yeah, right let's, on cue. Let's, uh, look, watch this. Here we go. For all of you uh, watching on Spotify, there we are. Um, <laughs> I've just unplugged Alexa. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, do, do you have those things around your house, Stephen? I have an Alexa that actually yeah. is within. Um, is it? Do you say voice shot or earshot? So I'm slightly conscious yeah. of um, of mentioning Waking that said name up. and yeah, what what is she going to be playing that I paused about two weeks ago and forgot to unpause? <laughs> kind of who I was listening to, but I remember pausing. It might have been REM actually. I think I was listening to REM one day and then paused it and never unpaused it. So at some point, that's probably no, going to kick in. It will have forgotten that by now. Ah, good. Yeah. No, it's it's um once you go past 30 minutes it's it can't can't remember ah, what uh, there we go. what you what you're doing. So there you go. So Stephen, what what are we talking about today? You you came up with some subjects uh, last night that you said that we should be discussing. What 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 hot topics are we going to hit onto today? Um well, my mind's gone totally blank, Graham. What were we talking about? Oh, we spoke about that island that's been fully vaccinated in Scotland. That was one of the things we spoke about, wasn't it? Um, fully vaccinated old, island. Yeah, we need to talk about that one. Um, remind me, Graham, which ones are the ones we were speaking about? Half a dozen subjects. Which ones did you want to touch on first? I, I, I still want to talk about really uh, going back to work now. The fact mm. that that we we've started this journey back towards the office, etc. Now, um, you know, up until this point, we've been talking about what's going to happen when people go back to the office. Uh, are we going to see more sort of hybrid working going forward? I think 
for, for definite we are, etc. But, you know, in general, as people are, are transitioning back, are we seeing those changes in culture out there in terms of the way people are working? Or are people actually just getting back to, to the way things used to be? I mean, we. Um, uh, I think on our last session a couple of weeks ago, we got it. We got um, stuck into Goldman Sachs. I think around working hours. But I noticed that name purely sort of coincidentally came up again at the start of this week. I think they were saying that had twenty percent of their staff were back working in their London offices on Monday this week. So they're sort of, they seem very committed to that return to the office. Um, and then another piece about Goldman, which came out in the same day, was opening a new sort of IT hub in Birmingham as in terms of a fixed sort of fixed office location. So again, I guess it was the same company with a couple of stories around, I guess, returning to the office and then further committing to the office, which is a little bit out of step with what everyone else seems to be doing where they're looking to reduce commitments they're looking to actually increase commitment and if you think about it one of those areas that seems to have done very well with home working and where you, it will stick is is it because it is something by its nature that can be done fairly remotely so i think that was really interesting not only are they they sort of keeping and increasing their their office space but also the type of de department they were talking about would be one you would maybe naturally think would have fitted and stuck with with home working, um, again, referencing the the sort of the talent pool in the Midlands. But I think one of the things we touched on, Graham, with whole hybrid and home working is actually geography no longer became an issue when you were looking to take on staff. So again, it just seems a little bit out of kilter with everything we've been discussing for the last sort of three months is, is that, you know, um, looking at ge geography as a, as a deciding factor around employment, increasing foot space, um, and also the type of department that would work from home actually investing for office space. So mm, it's a, I still find it a strange one, but they, it does seem their cultural sort of focus is very much office, office, office. And, and yes, they've spoken around collaboration being a good thing. And, and, and we're not advocating um, permanent home working, but almost they seem as if this is the path we're taking and we're, you know, we're, we're sticking with it, even if we're, we're sort of out of line with a lot of other the large global European corporates. Well, we've got uh, we've got someone listening. Just to 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 know that we've got someone listening is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Mm. I'm glad I don't have to go to an office. Happy to be going back to the library though when I can. Uh, so I think people really are enjoying that kind of social aspect, and we'll come on to that kind of social uh aspect of what's been going on in the high streets and and outside in in a minute as well. Uh, LinkedIn user. Uh, I don't know why it sometimes comes up as LinkedIn yeah. user, but if you'd like to identify yourself by telling us who you are, that would be wonderful. And we can actually give you a proper name shout. Courtney, what what you're you look like you're in an office there, uh, unless you have a voice power thing on your window at home. Um, it's all an illusion. It's I'm an illusion at home. Oh right. <laughs> there you go. Um, we all invest we all invested in some signs, you know, make it look more professional in the home working environment. Yeah. Um, but I think we, the team were chatting actually um, at, earlier on in the week about how, you know, obviously a lot of people are going back to the office this week. Um, but we've actually really thrived in a home working environment. You know, as a team, we've we've kind of reached a point where we've got a good plan. We all know what we're doing. We still communicate really often, um, which obviously is key. But I think we were we were saying how funny it is that you do something just because 
it's what everyone else is doing. And that was the case for us having an office. You know, it was just the thing. You you know, you have to have an office. Um, but since since being remote during the pandemic, we've we've come and come to the conclusion that working from home is actually better for all of us. Um, and but so does that mean the office is going? Yeah, does... I think so. Right. Yeah, I think it's something that we're continuing to to do because it's working. You know, we're still working really well as a team, not being in an office. Um, so I think it is preference, isn't it? I think finding that balance now, people have been kind of reminded that actually employees can be trusted to work at home and just have finding that own balance for, for your own business, I think is really important and just, just following what, what the team prefer and want to do. Uh, no, absolutely. Go on, Stephen. You're going to say I was just going to say, it's interesting what Courtney was saying there, but I, I think th this, this, I think, is a trend we will certainly carry on seeing. But also, there's so many options out there, you know, whether it's hotels or, you know, we've touched on retail space in the past that will be converted or available to do those team meetings. For an organisation like Voice Power, you know, you could simply move to having a once-a-month team company meeting hiring out somewhere that's fairly central so you've still got that ability to sort of um with a bar. engage collaborate with a bar absolutely um collaborate but also you haven't got the commitment and, and i think there'll be more and more of these type of spaces that, you know sort of rising up I, I was reading an article actually i think it was about a week ago graham so we didn't have a session last week where they've been talking in ireland not northern ireland actually in ireland about focusing around pubs and looking at pubs that are no longer trading and turning them into regional sort of office hub type businesses uh, or locations. So I think that's where that is, industry is going to really thrive. So, so voice power example will, won't need the office, but every month they may go, right, we're going to meet on the, I don't know, the first Thursday of every month and we're going to meet at this location. So you still get the collaboration, but you don't get the, the financial commitment of an actual office. Well, I was joking, but I wasn't joking when I said pub. No, because, I you know, you were. <laughs> you know I, at the end of the day, um, and this, this is the bit that's kind of surprised me this week, was just how much people have missed the pub. <laughs> um, just driving down, my house garden is a pub too now. So, so We need to know who this person is. Yeah, we do need to know <laughs> who you are. Yourself. <laughs> you're coming up with some great stuff. Um, but just driving down the high street the other day at 8 o'clock in the morning, um, and seeing a whole load of people sat outside the pub with their phones <laughs> and, and cars tooting them and waving, going, yeah. It's like, uh, I was thinking, eight o'clock's a little bit too early, really, isn't it, for, for points? But people have uh, really kind of missed that that kind of uh, environment and, and just socialising with people. So uh, it, it kind of makes sense to me that you'll, you'll see coffee shops and pubs and those kind of, uh, and even eateries kind of combined with uh, sort of co uh, co-working spaces or or, or or spaces that you could hire out as a business to go and work in. Because why not? I mean, you know, people want to, to, when they get together, have that social aspect as well as the business aspect, mm. um, you know. And wait, are you getting together with your team on a regular basis then, uh, Courtney? Or, or are you just doing that remotely at the moment? Yeah, so what Stephen said is on point, actually. Um, when when the guidelines permit and, you know, we're in a bit of a safer place, 
we will be meeting out monthly, you know, get higher a meeting room, things like that, because we do have a, a monthly meeting anyway. Um, so we will be using that as an opportunity to see each other in person, you know, catch up. Um, so at the moment, that hasn't been happening, obviously. Um, but when it permits, we will be doing monthly meetings face to face. And then also, you know, if if we do want to just catch up with one of the other teams, we're going to go on walks, that kind of thing. So I think it will be fun to see how we find that balance as things start to get back to normal again. Mm. Where are you based exactly? So I'm in Leeds. Um, wow. Our old office was in Harrogate. So most of the team is in Harrogate. Um, but we've got Paul who's in Selby. So we're kind of a bit all over the place. Um, mm. But Harrogate will probably be our hub, if you like, for those meetings. So for you, did that used to be a commute on a regular? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I couldn't drive at the time either. So it's the train. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was a nightmare. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't miss that journey at all. No, so no, I go on a nice walk instead in that time now, start the day. So I think it's... Oh, the fake commute. Yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> it is a pretty much a fake commute, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> when you look at it like that. But I think even that in the early stages of lockdown, even that little walk to the train station and then from the train station to the office, I did miss that, you know, in the early stages because you're like, oh, well, I haven't been out all day. <laughs> This this person who still won't uh, tell us who they are is coming up with some great terms. Networking. Networking. I've heard of that go. one. <laughs> I don't great... think Graham. We should give them any more airtime with their comments until they reveal themselves, because there, there, there are a so. lot of good ideas coming out here. But we need to know who this is. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no, that's great. So let's talk a little bit because we've got Courtney here. Let's talk a bit about um, you know using your voice, etc. The, the the poll this morning was asking people if they could automate any part of their working process. Um, you know, would they would they do that using their voice? Um, and there, were, as I say, there were some negative comments there about, oh, how how would that work if you know you're in a room with thirty eight other people? Um, you know, I, my experience of technology at the moment, where you you voice control it, is you end up shouting at it so how can this work give us a little bit of insight into you know what it is that voice power can actually do with some clients yeah definitely so I think I included the shouter as a character in one of my recent videos in terms of popular voice recognition users and that is a really common one actually people just shouting at the computer hoping it will do something um, but something we promote firstly is a noise cancelling microphone of some sort whether that's a head headset like this one we do have handheld microphones as well but we really push that you know whatever device they choose it has to have noise cancellation because that does affect the accuracy so that's the first thing. Um, secondly, in our training, we really promote conversational type speak. So I think a lot of people, as I said, will shout or speak a bit like a robot in slow motion. Um, so we promote speaking as we are now, you know, as if you were speaking to an actual person often gets the best results. Um, in terms of the accuracy um, and in turn if everyone is dictating in that way there shouldn't be any 
you know, other noises from other people. But we do have clients. I think it's a, an insurance company, actually, that has an open plan office. And they're all using Dragon quite happily next to one another, you know. So it is possible. I think it's just having the right knowledge of how you need to dictate, but also having the right equipment as well. That's really interesting. I mean, that just shows you how much this technology's come on as well. And I, I, I often think with voice technology, that's part of the issue, is that people delved into voice technology five 10 years ago when it yeah. was dreadful it was absolutely dreadful i tried and it 20 years ago and it was awful yeah <laughs> we get it all the time i mean as a workplace assessor you know when i was going around assessing people i often talked about uh dragon and and voice technology etc and one of the things i often found was people went yeah well someone bought me this and they opened a drawer and they had an old version of Dragon um, with really old equipment, like really old microphone equipment or whatever, and they're running a really, you know, really old PC <laughs> or whatever, and they went, it was useless. And there was two, so there's two things. One was they hadn't been given the, the proper technology because quite often what I found was that people were being passed stuff down. So someone had had, dragon at one point then left the company and someone had like maintained the the, the cd with dragon on and, and taken the license and then put it back on someone else's pc now that they needed it um and secondly nobody was offering any training mm -hmm. on this stuff as well and so yeah. people were like putting it on their machine and going la, 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 la. oh it didn't work okay yeah um and as we know the the training on these things has become much easier because um, that they work far better out of the box than they used to anyway. But you still, if you need to to know how to use it, even even within Office or anything like that, you still need some training. And but certainly, if you're going to make it work with other things on your desktop, you're you're going to need both probably some training and some some scripting done in order to make it work. Yeah. Do you just want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, as well as being an accessibility tool, uh, the main use for Dragon as well is for productivity reasons, um, as you mentioned on your post this morning. And so if you're investing in something to save you time, it just doesn't make sense to not take training and just waste time trying to figure out how it works <laughs> you know it kind of defeats the objects because it, it is quite a complex bit of software you know it, it has a lot of potential and features that you can use and so I mean to the layman you know it, it would take ages to figure out all of this kind of stuff so I think investing in the training just saves so much time and just having someone who knows it inside out show you the ins and outs and the crooks of it um, but also, I think the major benefit, you know, particularly working within healthcare, where they're using clinical systems, for example, our trainers are able to talk to the trainee, find out what kind of things they're going to be using Dragon for, what other systems they're going to be using it with, and we can kind of tailor that session to them, you know, and literally go through their workflow 
how to do each step. And I think that's what people would miss if they didn't take that training because, you know, we kind of preach our workflow consultancy as a service. You know, this is this is included in our services because we know the ways that Dragon works, the best ways that it will work and the most efficient and productive ways to use it. So having, you know, a third party look at it your workflow as a whole and think right no dragon would do that you can then do this and i think just having that knowledge just saves people so much time and also avoids them ripping their hair out in the process <laughs> absolutely we just must now say a quick hello to to julie it was julie ah julie uh, that's the, the the baking singing baker um wow. have you seen have you yeah. seen julie's post at all I don't think I have, no, oh, but I'm intrigued now. She's brilliant, yeah. yeah. Normally, she goes off into the woods somewhere. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, Julie. Uh, <laughs> and she sings one of these wonderful madrigal-type or, 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 you know, great folk songs. Um, and she also does baking at the same time. Oh, my time. God, that sounds cool. I need to go and have a look. She's, yeah, she's really, really cool. But uh, thanks, Julie. Um, for all of those wonderful comments, networking. I love that. I'm going to remember that. that it's, so. I might even get a, a T-shirt with it on. Um, it's <laughs> it's that a good idea. So, Stephen, um, you know, voice power coming into uh, the um, the networking event yeah. uh, at the end of this month, um, and we're pleased to have you on board. But we did we did an event with uh, voice power a little uh, a little time ago. Were you kind of surprised in terms of how much uh, sort of voice activated uh, or voice controlled technology has come on board and, and 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 just how perhaps how much there's a separation in terms of knowledge between the ergonomists out there and the, the workplace assessment people out there and you know what's available in terms of uh, voice control technology now I have to say, I didn't realise. I mean, I would, I would say, I very loosely knew the subject. Um, and and when you mention things, I drag in their names that I've sort of come across. But obviously, it doesn't fit directly into what we do from an accessory point of view. But I was staggered at the, the, the level of of activity it could do for you, what roles and what functions it could take on. It was it was amazing. Um, I mean, one question I'd like to ask Courtney is, which areas of the economy, as it were, who who's really engaged with this product? Are there any sectors that are really engaged? And what are the areas of, of the economy where there isn't much engagement, but you think there would be a lot of productivity benefits. I'm guessing you're going to have, like anything, you'll have prospects, etc. But if there was one area of the economy you could crack, where there, there's clearly for you there's a big sales opportunity, but also where there'd be a lot of benefit, what would what area would that be? Yeah, so I think looking at, at the main kind of sectors that are embracing the technology, legal is definitely up there. Yeah. Um, medical as well and then as well from an assistive technology point of view as well I would say there are main three sectors at the moment um, but I think in terms of of a sector we'd really like to crack I mean it's funny really because I would class medical as one of our top you know top demographic but at the same time it's also a sector that I think requires the most work if you like um, because you know we supply digital dictation as well and um, which is a more traditional you know 
traditional method of capturing documentation. But within the medical sector, we face quite a lot of, how would you word it, resistance, shall we say. Um, Is that because of, of, of investment? Is it because people don't want to spend on something that they maybe aren't sure? Is it they can't see the benefit and therefore there's a reluctance to invest? Is that the problem? Yeah, I would say it's probably that combined with with a resistance to change. I think a lot a lot of healthcare companies, you know, the NHS included, are familiar with digital dictation. It's what they do. It's you know, some some companies are even using tapes still, which is just crazy. <laughs> Honestly, the amount of clients that have come to us like we st- we want to get rid of the tapes, and I'm like, what? You're still using? You've still them? got the tapes. Yeah, it's actually. Do they, do they not have? Do they not have the issue of you know in the middle of listening to a, a transcript about a, a patient? And it's like, Mr. Jones. Exactly, and not not only that, you know, from a security point of view, mm. it's awful. You know, some some of the some of the trusts or or people we're working with are are actually posting tapes. Or they're delivering them, you know, driving yeah. a, to an office across town to drop them off. And I just think that's just like such a long How does that work with GDPR? Way. Well, yeah, exactly. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So that's a massive thing. So I think, I think with the healthcare sector, it's one that we would really love to just see and create a change in the attitude. Because most mm. of the time, you know, if we actually get, even a meeting with, with a client in the medical sector and we can show them, we do a demo, they're just like mind blown. Mm. But it's getting to that point of like, okay, well, this could actually be really helpful to us and kind of pointing out to them that this is worthwhile. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. <laughs> Let me I just think, go. Graham, Graham, I was going to say, I think there's parallels with what, what we do with, you know, with our organisation and the ergo sector, you know, like we've discussed many times. There are still, yes, whilst there are lots of companies who go out and invest in, in the, the equipment we do and, our, you know, there's a, there's a number of people you can go to for, for products that we, we, we provide. There are some people who really get it, but there are still people, there are still huge percentage of businesses who don't go and invest because they 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 still look at it at the at, for, on the pound notes they're not seeing yeah. the investment they're not seeing the benefit so i think there's a lot of parallels with what we do with what what courtney is explaining there is to is to try and get people to understand what are they going to get from it there's lots of value out there but sometimes they won't look beyond the pound note and it's it is very very frustrating yeah no yeah absolutely. it's looking at the long term i think is what we try and encourage clients to do you know like initially yeah it's going to take investment of money and time but in the long run you know we a client that's uh, using the new version of dragon medical one i think it's oxford university hospital in a recent webinar they did in the pilot the first year alone they saved 48 days just by using the auto text command within Dragon. And that's not including, you know, other other aspects of the software. So what can you do with 48 days? More patience, a better service, staff training. Mm. You know, I think when you look at it in terms of the of what you can achieve in the long term, that's where you see the return on investment. And I think people find it hard to look past that initial mm. that initial pricing. <laughs> 
Don't you don't you think that there's still as well though a big disconnect, not just in terms of uh things like Dragon, but other assistive technologies as well, between the support we try and give students and then the support that we try and give people when they go out into the workplace. I know there's access to work. I mean, I've been there, seen it, done it, got the t-shirt. I know, I know there's access to work, but the majority of the, the time, companies do not necessarily think we have got to give people the tools that enable them to just get on and do their job. Um, within you know with with whatever cognitive processing issue or or whatever that they've got students you know because we've got the dsa in this country uh for people that don't know that's the disability students allowance that pays for anyone that's you know dyspraxic got dyslexia dyscalculia if they go through the process they can get an assessment and they will they will quite often get recommended things like dragon or you know, uh, text-to-speech solutions, etc., and which really helps them in terms of a being able to to study effectively, but in terms of their productivity. Um, and I know that a lot of universities have started looking at that and thinking, well, we should try and make these things inclusive and give them to as many people as possible. But then they get out into the workplace and. <laughs> <laughs> they they start again it's a massive yeah. massive problem is it not yeah i think so um i do think though we you know we have a lot of of clients that have come through following an access to work assessment and although you know there there are those challenges that you mentioned it is it's quite refreshing for us because in those scenarios it's it's we don't have that battle with the client on the training and why it's important because with most access to work assessments, the training is recommended and it's included. And I think in those assessments, they appreciate why the training is so important, but there's definitely a disconnect with, you know, professional or medical clients. They see the training as an option. And so, Oh, we don't need that. We'll be fine. We'll just have a look online and find out ourselves. So, I think the accessibility side of it, I think they definitely, I mean, I don't know if it's because they have to, <laughs> but they definitely take a better stance in terms of looking at everything that that person needs mm. to work successfully. Yeah. I think one of the other interesting areas when it comes to, to voice um, control as well is that for some people, speaking stuff out, doesn't necessarily feel right or doesn't work with them as naturally as it does to actually type or write or, or do something in a, in a more manual way. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm one of those people when, if it comes to using dragon within word um, and sort of, you know, just making dragon uh, pour out ideas, I actually find the physical aspect of, of typing helps with creative writing i don't mm -hmm. i don't find that as easy just coming off the top of my head although i can talk for england <laughs> it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work when i've got a blank piece of paper in front of me however having said that what i had found over the years from using dragon and doing a little bit of scripting and stuff myself is that actually i found that um i could use it really effectively when it came to sort of boring 
manual tasks of cutting and pasting and moving content from one place to another. I don't think there's a real understanding there about how much Dragon could help or, or these these things could help in those instances. So even if you still really like to type and produce stuff in, in writing using a using a keyboard, it could really just help you in terms of that kind of you know boring form filling, for example, or or or, or you know processing of data. Do you want to just yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that's that's an area that people just really don't get. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think that's something that people were kind of alluding to on your post this morning. Um, the fact that if you have voice recognition software, that you have to use it for everything. Um, when actually that's not the case at all. It is very much a matter of preference. And also looking at those tasks, um, you know, that you might find so boring and mind-numbing or ones that take you forever and a day it's take looking at those tasks and thinking okay well I could use dragon just for that you know so we have clients that that will use it just to complete patient cons consultations some legal clients will just do it for reports some people just use it for emails you know simple but how long how, how much time do we spend emailing in a day you know it's crazy so I think just kind of looking at your workflow and thinking what could this help with it doesn't have to be used for everything although you know some clients do use it for everything especially um, accessibility clients of ours you know we have clients that have multiple sclerosis some that can't use, have no use in their hands at all and so they can use dragon completely hands-free to open emails browse the internet all these kind of things so Yes, the potential is there to use it for everything, but it's actually looking at what would speed you up and including Dragon in that way. I'm going to get controversial now. <laughs> I love controversial. Not, not that I ever do that. But um, I do wonder, we've talked about in the past, Stephen, uh, the possible need for us to go into schools earlier on mm. and actually start talking about ergonomics earlier on in schools and actually you know how how you sit how you work you know uh, the effect on your posture um has not only you know could not only have uh, life-changing um consequences in terms of your health going forward but in just in terms of concentration levels and helping help even helping uh any any student that's got particular cognitive issues or or, or attention deficit issues just sitting properly as opposed to, you know, slouching all the time can really, really help. I wonder whether the case is the same with uh, talking about voice technology as well, because I think one of the issues with uh, the fact that we gravitate towards writing or, or typing or whatever else is because that's what we learn mm. right from an early age. Now, if we actually learn to use our voice a little bit more, and then I'm going to get all the critics go, yeah, but then if we stop learning to write or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's all going to be dreadful. You know, the kids won't be able to write or whatever. Kids can't write anyway. Um, so, but if we actually learn to use our voice to control things at an earlier age, it would come more of a second nature. Yeah. yeah? I, I see a lot of parallels 
with, with like I said before, Graham, with what we do, you know, I do wonder, I, you know, you wonder how many people are struggling in the workplace because they're not provided with the right accessories. It then makes you think how many people are struggling in the workplace when there's a the solutions out there, but people aren't aware of it or aren't investing. So you think how many people are going to work every day and it's a real bind. It's it's they're finding their work difficult. They may be uncomfortable, you know, but actually if people were aware there was something out there, that could all sort of disappear. And as you say, Graham, a lot of this is habits. It's getting people into the habit. So how do we then, you know, we've got the DSA, but that very much is aimed more at the sort of university level, Graham, if I'm correct, isn't it? So, but but what about that group underneath? What about the 11 to the 11 to 18 year olds? How many people are, how many students are maybe finding school a little bit difficult and not able to show their potential, but actually a little bit of investment from whoever whether it's like accessories, whether it's it's what, what you know what Courtney's organisation do would make them fulfil their potential a lot better. You, you suddenly start hearing about things like what what Voice Power do, and you're thinking, "Gosh, this could probably resolve." I mean, just in the UK alone, thousands and thousands of people could find their working or studying day so much more enjoyable if they had access to to such a solution. Well, look, I just I mean, I've got five children myself. And so I've got a good I've got a good spectrum of uh, of children to look at in terms of age, et cetera. And I look at how they they, you know, work with technology. Um, they're just much more used to it anyway. They're much more used to being able to say to, you know, I don't have to teach one of my kids how to use Alexa. Yeah. Right. We all sit there when the first first time you've ever seen Alexa, we're like, oh, how's that work? You know, um, yeah. You know, oh, plug, plug got, it in I've, would help, got, Yeah, I've got to plug it in. Then got to, then they've got to learn these phrases or whatever. They just talk to it. They just know. They they just pick it up and go with it, etc. You know, they're quite used to you know using an iPad and getting an iPad to look up something by using using Google to to press a button and and then doing a search by voice. We've now got uh, we've got a Q um, Skybox downstairs with the voice remote. Yeah, so you don't you don't sit there typing anymore using all those, <laughs> going scrolling through the letters to look up the. You just go, oh, I want to watch this, and and there it yeah. is, you know. So voice technology is coming in, and children are getting better at it. But I just wonder whether you know if there was again if we started earlier and said, look, actually, let's not necessarily go oh, it's got to be writing in schools or it's got to be keyboards in schools, but actually give Johnny, um, you know, a, a microphone, et cetera, and just let him talk to the screen, you know, let him compose on the screen, teach him how to do Dragon early on. Just wonder how much that would really have a, a massive effect on, on skills once you go out into the workplace and thinking about how we do this stuff as well. Um, I just, I just think... There's so much time that people could save during the day. And why I always gravitated towards finding out, out about assistive technology, why I went off for five and a half years to do assistive technology when I was deeply embedded within ergonomics was I just couldn't get, I couldn't get through this kind of nagging in my head that we're going out there and we're saying, right, get a sit-stand desk because it will make you move more get a chair that with dynamic movement and flow in it because that's going to move a bit more take a break because that's going to get you away from your desk etc and then people would always say to me 
yeah, I can't take a break because I've got this workload. And then I, so I was looking for that golden ticket that said, how do I give people back time in the day that enables them, me to now go and say to them, you can now take a break, right? You can now restructure your life and your day completely differently because you don't have to be sat there all day long. You know, if you, in fact, you can be working whilst you're walking, you can be doing this whilst you're doing that. This is this is a different way of living. So yeah, I I, I think I think we need to to think about how we can start bringing this in younger. Definitely, any... I think the um, the resistance to change that I spoke about earlier is always you know when we're dealing with the likes of decision makers and directors and partners who. Are, are always of the older generation um, but when it comes to I think as we see younger people coming into the workforce you know the millennials the gen z's they're already so much more comfortable with these types of technology because as you say they've got Alexa at home they use whatsapp voice notes all the time so it's nothing new and I think I mean I I think it's quite similar I mean, in my own experience, I mean, obviously I do I do a lot of video marketing and when I try and get the rest of the team on camera, they're like, oh, no, no. You know, it's just something that the older generation are not as comfortable with. Um, so I think that's quite a good example of how how different we are in our attitudes. So I think as younger people do come into the workforce, it's going to be normal to sit at your computer and dictate. And there's not going to be that embarrassment if you like of like oh my god they're listening to me what I'm saying and all of that so I definitely think we're gonna see a growth of, yeah. of it being adopted for sure well I love your video marketing and and some of it's quite out there um which is, which is great yeah <laughs> do, do you find do you find even with that that's you know there's a certain demographic of people that that just react to it and go well th this isn't they don't understand it and then there's you know you have got another tribe of people that really do understand it and and are you know going with it because i mean you actually even take you're taking the rip out of voice technology in some of your things which some yeah. people just won't understand they're like well if she's selling voice technology why is she taking the rip out of it yeah. you know yeah um i think there's something that i've always thought is that technology isn't the sexiest of of topics you know Good I word. think yeah. when you start talking about technology and you know these new updates and new versions and all this kind of stuff people just no just keep scrolling that's not for me it can be boring so I think if you've I think if there's a way to kind of put across something in a passionate or exciting way it's a much better way to grab people's people's attentions and and start those conversations so I think I find doing that through video is much more effective than if I just wrote a blog you know on this new this new bit, version of Dragon or or anything like that so I think I know what you mean because I do often think do people know what we do? I think that's always a struggle trying to convey that online. So I think finding the balance between serious posts and yeah. actual factual, what we're doing, things we're up to, 
and as well as the funny jokey side of things i think finding that balance is definitely important oh it, it absolutely you know it's uh, i could talk about <laughs> social media marketing all day long yeah. because it's what i do but it's um you know at the end of the day trying to trying to create a space where people come and talk to you in the first place because they you know you've, yeah. you've stopped them and you've got their attention that's what you're trying to do you know yeah. and clearly when someone sees a video of courtney singing in the car with her friend yeah you know which is one of my <laughs> favorite think, one of my favorite posts um because <laughs> it was just <laughs> class um you know people will look at that and go well what's that got to do with you know yeah. anything else although you are singing so that's 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 voice power <laughs> in itself voice it? it's not that's a good it. one but i'm using it <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that anybody anybody can achieve this um but you know at the end of the day you are stopping people and you're, you're getting people to, to to pay attention and certainly that's one of the things that i've you know tried to do in the ergo world as well i just felt that the ergo world had a similar thing you know there's so many posts out there that were just being pushed out into the ether where it was like this is a chair this is a desk and it's like mm. you know it's like oh wow someone's really excited by that um you know and it was like how do you get people to stop and have a look at this stuff and then take them on the journey because clearly you know what you're talking about as well it's not like you know the sum of courtney is i can i can sing in my car eat chips and and you know do funny skits about alexa you have to know your beans at the end of the day as well but to get people to stop in the first place you have to do something that's a little bit different and then you then you can take them on that journey um and for me i think things like this like these live sessions are good bridging gaps between the two i think these are these are spaces where we can have a bit of a laugh and a joke as well. You can still show your personality and that side of things over to, to people. But at the same time, we can talk about around serious subjects as well. And people begin to think, oh, yeah, there's maybe a little bit more to that. And, you know, and then they can have a conversation with you about things. How have you, how have you found this transition, Stephen, into uh, over this whole pandemic period? Because that's where we took everything online. Yeah. You know, have, have you... I've have you enjoyed the move? I have to, yes, I have. I have to say, when we first started off and there was talk of doing videos and things like that, it was, um, I, I'll be honest, it wasn't something I was totally comfortable with. But I have to say, we do these weekly sessions and I think it makes you a little bit more sort of comfortable and, and relaxed and actually enjoying it. But as you say, it's, it's just a different way of people engaging i mean for me you know when it's bang on all day about the sort of things that we do it's trying to sort of add a bit more to the story round the story off not just a case of like you said here's a laptop stand here's a keyboard it's not particularly interesting but actually talking around how the solutions that we as a business do can apply to the stories that we're reading about in the newspapers and the headlines that's where it reads yeah, really adds some value so it goes from it goes from this is the solution this is the problem how do we join those things up so yeah i think it's been really it's been really interesting and you know as i say it's great to have have courtney on at home you know it's um, and a great addition to the the um health and well-being event um graham that we've got coming up soon again is just to you know we're, we're, we're sort of adding layer on layer with that so we started off originally talking about one area of subject matter but we're moving into other areas because health and well-being whilst we started off from an an ergonomic accessory perspective actually that's just a very small part of people's 
well-being and, and health in the in the workplace yeah and i think with that as well i think the interesting thing there is that you know it's come more in line with my my thinking about this whole subject area anyway which is that you know you can't separate off these different areas of support no. um you know but everything has been really quite siloed and I, I've, I've i've been a bit ashamed of that really in terms of the industry sorry folks <laughs> but i have um you know that i think it's i think it's a shame if you if you find that someone goes into a business to to offer support to somebody because things are going wrong and the only way of looking at it is through one pair of glasses as opposed to being able to look at it and go do you know what i don't necessarily know about all of these things but I have a group of connections or I have a group of friends that could help here. And actually, so let's, for example, let's sort your ergonomic situation out. But then, you know, I can see the benefit of perhaps you talking to someone that voice power as well, or I can see the benefit of you talking to, to this person about like the last show, it was about nutrition. You, you, you need to see a nutritionist because you're not eating properly and you know, this this isn't good for you. You know, sleep therapists, um, you know, uh, physiotherapists, etc. All of these people offer slightly different ways of helping people from and and put them together. You then have a holistic solution, but you pull them apart and you just send one person in at a time. It, it's like without anybody talking to each other, it's it's useless. I mean, Courtney interestingly do, do you deliver any training yourself or have you ever delivered training on on products no i haven't actually so we have um a, a specific team that does the technical support and the training side of things um i tend to focus on the marketing and then i also do a bit of admin every now and then as well so you know quotes talking to clients about what kind of solution they want booking in the training that kind of thing um, but, you know, Vicky and Sonia, our directors have always said, you know, if you wanted to, we could get you, get you a make you a trainer. Yeah. And I just think, oh my God, could you imagine me? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I would die. So well, I think, I think, it, I, I think you'd bring the fun element. Uh, well, you know, yeah, maybe. I, I think, true. I think they've got you in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I, you're doing, I think you're doing the right job. What would be interesting for you to go and find out though, and perhaps, you know, bring bring back and maybe talk about at the event would be um, from your trainers, what their perspective when they go in to help people in terms of uh, using things like Dragon. You know, are they seeing that those people are getting any other support? Is, uh, you know, is the ergonomic piece being done for these people as well? You know, is there any connectivity there? Do they ever speak to any of the other people that are offering support? If you, uh, if you take it to students in DSA, quite often I've seen, I've heard of a lot of students dropping out of the DSA process and actually then not having various bits and pieces because there are too many people in the pipeline. Mm. There's a person to do this. There's a person to do that. There's a person to do the other. That just get, I mean, that can, for a lot of people, that can become really overwhelming, you know? Mm. And, and for a start, you've actually then got to actually then, find enough time during the day to have x amount of people in it to to have people that have got a wider understanding of all of these things in the first place maybe have a point of contact that's your 
uh, I always felt, you know, with DSA, it'd be better to have a person that goes in and, and sort of talks through everything with you, even if it's a, like an overview basis, and then says, you know, right, I'm now going to bring in from a, you know, remotely to talk to you about this. And I think that probably would work better. I'm going to get shot down in flames by some of the DSA people now. But, you know, I just no, I think... I agree. You've got a point, definitely. Yeah, you know, there's 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 possibly another way of looking at it. Stephen, Courtney, yes. we've got we've got the next event coming up. Yep. Um, talking about students as well. This whole event's going to be about students. So if anybody's interested, you can get a ticket for this, www.abetterwayoflife.co.uk. I'll find that and put it at the bottom of the screen now. Say, don't usually get there we go, Graham. You Just like that. Put it, there you go. Um, and uh, if you go there, uh, online events page, you can book yourself a free ticket to this. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be a really interesting one. We've yeah. got um, we've got two guys coming to talk to us. One of them is from Worcester University. Uh, he's uh, been involved in the accessibility and inclusion team at Worcester University for some time. Um, he was also a DSA assessor as well. So he's, he's, he's been both sides of that coin. Um, he's been doing a project for uh, the past year or so called Student Voices, which is fascinating. Um, so just right up your street, Courtney, voices. Um, but where he's actually been uh, recording the voices of students around topics about uh, about where, you know, how they feel about university, how they feel about university life, um, inclusion, accessibility, et cetera. So getting those kind of, you know, voices from, from the street, if you like, down and, and using that as a, a kind of a, a dialogue with the outside world as to where we should be going in terms of inclusion, etc., And then Lee, who's coming on board, uh, that's Patrick. And then Lee that's coming on board. Um, Lee was the, the guy that managed to migrate all students home um, in the first part of the pandemic. So he wrote a little app that got everybody home and coordinated that home. And he's now working for um, a, a company, Student Homes. So he looks after, I think it's about 23,000 students across the country um, in, in different homes. So he's got quite a lot of um, connection, both with institutions, but with directly with the students as well. Um, so looking forward to that. Are you looking forward to that as well? Definitely. Mm. And yeah. did I see, Graeme, yesterday, um, maybe universities in England, was it England or the UK? I think it was England returning on the 17th of May to face-to-face. -to -face. So I think it's quite good timing as well, isn't it, to have the guys on? Because within three weeks, you have potentially got people actually going physically back into university. So it's probably um, really good timing for the for the student community if they can sign up and take a ticket because we've got uh, they've got a lot of things happening with them in the next the next month or so. Well, one of the things I'd really like to drive, and I'd love Courtney to be involved in this because she's a little bit younger than we are. And when I say a little bit, a lot, um, <laughs> is I would love a drive, a both for this event, but going forward as well, to get more students onto LinkedIn. I'd love to see more students getting onto LinkedIn. Um, it's one of the things that I've, I've actually done um, some live broadcasts with Lee before, uh, and he's been doing some work with Salesforce as well in the background. Um, and it's really, really interesting. 
in this country in particular, it, less so in, in America and other parts of Europe, but students do not come on to LinkedIn until it's too late. Mm. Um, I don't know, Courtney, you, being the youngest of us, when did you first venture into LinkedIn land? So I actually, I think I was in my second year of uni and I'd set up a meeting with our employability hub at Leeds Beckett, kind of hoping to get some experience, find out how I can, you know, prepare for finishing uni and get some good experience. Um, and that was the main thing that um, Georgina, the lady I met with, said to me, she said, download LinkedIn. Mm, that's and, I was great. Like, and at the time I was like, well what's that and how's that going to help <laughs> um and I set it up and I probably didn't look at it for yeah probably till I finished uni to be honest um and it wasn't until that I got my current job with voice power um at the end of university that I started to look at LinkedIn in a different way you know it was set up for me purely as a CV if you like you know it had all of my courses on my school um my GCSEs you know nothing I didn't post anything literally nothing it was just there as kind of like an online CV and when I actually started working at voice power and, and realized how it could be used I was like well why did no one tell me this sooner exactly <laughs> yeah, that. I yeah I think that knowledge of how how LinkedIn can help would be really powerful to younger people because I think like you say they look at it when it's too late and, I, and some people will think, well, why do I need I need LinkedIn when I'm at school or a uni? Well, actually, I think it would be really good. And it looks so good on a CV. You know, even if you're just talking about topics that you're passionate about, it doesn't have to be work related. Just showing that you've got a passion for something and, you know, you can create relationships with people. You never know how useful those connections would be when the time comes to finding a job. Exactly. Um, Lee's view is that, you know, students should be getting into LinkedIn as of year one. As soon as you get to university, get on LinkedIn. Yeah. You don't need to be showcasing work. You no. just need to be showcasing what you are doing as a person. Yeah. You know, um, what it is that you're interested in. Get on there, start following the companies that you might be interested in working for. Find out about, you know, what it is that they're doing, which way that they're going. If nothing else, you're going to know exactly who the movers and shakers are. You're going to know what kind of projects they're involved with, whether that's what you really want to get involved with or not, etc. And if you're building up that network, you know, by the time you get to year three, you probably just find yourself going into a job. Yeah. yeah. If you do it right, you'll just find yourself get getting into a job from, from being active on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, massive campaign. I'm going to start this. I'm going to put some posts out there, uh, and I Do hope it. you can help me with that as well. You know, let's get as many students on LinkedIn. If people have got, if people are parents of students at university at the moment and they are on LinkedIn, let's try and get them to sign their students up. Let's get them on LinkedIn, get the student community on here because I think it'd be brilliant. Graham, um, what about what about in a, on a future show? We get a, a live student sign up to LinkedIn. Fantastic! That would be cool. Let's get mm. someone along. I mean, obviously, we're not going to see a huge amount. I mean, obviously, you can do the technology piece around what they're going to see on their screen, but actually, it'd be really interesting to see someone just 
navigate it, get on, and you know, understand how it all works. And then it, you know, it, it shows like we've talked around voice tech, voice power, how easy some of these things are that are out there that people aren't fully aware of. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've, sorry, sorry, I didn't want to cut you up there. <laughs> um, but I was also just going to say that if if whilst at university that I knew LinkedIn could be used in the way that I'm using it now it would have been such a valuable tool. You know, even for like my dissertation, when I was writing that, if I could have used it as a way to gather research, and do a poll or get other people's opinions, it would have been so helpful and such a great platform to kind of put feelers out there and generate conversations that I think, I think it could be really helpful in that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's one of the things that I said on the, the introduction to this next event, um, because we've also got Nicola Pease on board now, who's obviously, you know, promoting flex flexible working, et cetera, is that um, I'd love to see uh, a start of a collaboration between some of the student bodies um, and or some of the institutional bodies and the flex working campaign in terms of talking to students about what they expect or what they want from the workplace going forward. Because all the time at, on LinkedIn, we're talking to you know other people in work about what you expect or what you want from work you know and 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 what that should look like but the next generation that's even more important to know that could be really really invaluable you know do you know when we talk about hybrid working or whatever do the next generation want hybrid working do they want flexible working do they want to work you know uh, more flexi hours do they want a four-day working week do they you know i mean that's that's something that's never really been talked about as much as in the last month or two um you know and we saw spain sort of get you know look at a, a four-day working week as well but it's been touted on linkedin in other areas as well do we go to a four-day working week um you know i i think students coming through will have a very strong opinion of what kind of companies they want to work for what that culture needs to look like etc and you know what what uh, what kind of um working world they want to to work into and if we understand that then we can get things really right for those students coming through into the next next generation of workers definitely so, cool Stephen courtney we've used up an hour of our time uh, there we go it was just like a, a fleeting glance into yeah. the future um but there we are we will we will all reconvene on the 27th um yes. at the event uh it's going to be at a different time this time it's over lunchtime so we're trying this as a bit of an experiment we know that that's going to upset a few people in canada and america etc mm -hmm. because uh you know you have to get up really early in the morning to do it um but you know just get yourself a black coffee you'll be all yeah. right um <laughs> But if not, you know, if you've got a spare lunch time, do sign up, do get a ticket, do come along. The website's at the bottom and we'd love to see you there. Courtney, Stephen, thank you very much for joining me today. No problem. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Wow Ergonomics, sponsored by Backer Alkaisen.